Hi, this is Art Morrison, and this is a Hot Rods by Boyd podcast. Recording from our headquarters in Old Town Orange, welcome to the Hot Rods by Boyd podcast. Welcome back. This is another episode of the Hot Rods by Boyd podcast. I'm here with Chris Kyneton. How are we doing, my friend? Real good. Nice. Good this morning. A little, little early this morning. Yeah, no, it's good. But, but it's good. We got a great guest. So let's welcome to the show, Art Morrison. Welcome. Glad to have you on, buddy. And thank you for the uh, uh, for the invitation. I'm, I was looking forward to this. Yeah, no, this is cool. Thank you. Um, Another part of history. Yeah, right. no, this is great. Uh, how's everything going up there? You're up there in, uh, in, in what part of Washington are you in? We are, we're just about 20 miles south of Seattle, uh, just actually in the, uh, in the Port of Tacoma area is where we're, where we're located. Um, and been in this particular location for, oh gosh, 40, uh, God, I believe 42 years. And then, uh, and then it was eight years prior to that, the little shop up in, uh, in a little town close to us. Oh, nice. So talking about a time frame there, you're, you're, you're going to be celebrating what your 50th anniversary coming up wow. yeah prop yeah the proper proper date uh will be uh january 1st on is we'll hit our 50th year in business wow and uh and it just to me it always seems a little bit shocking because uh, people give small businesses so long to live and and you know and they'll they'll have a life and this one has exceeded uh most of those expectations <laughs> That's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a definitely okay, an awesome. Thank you. That's definitely an awesome milestone. Um, so so let's talk a little bit because we'll get to the part where you know, um, I mean, where you became a part of some of my dad's more iconic builds later on with your chassis. But let's start. I mean, this can you give us a little uh, background on your business. Yeah, let's go back to the beginning. Sure, not a not a problem. It like so many guys that wound up in. Uh, in this industry, uh, God, I started out as a kid, and, and my dad, my dad let me have a have a uh, get a car when I was like 15, a little Model A, a 30 Model A. I uh, had a there was a was an old engine in the in the chassis, and it didn't run. And I know he let me get it because he figured it will never run. And uh, and my mom and dad went on vacation that particular summer, and I just I'd actually just turned 16. And went with a buddy to a junkyard, and, and we found a, a engine out of a '57 Buick that I was able to get for 75 bucks. And went back, and I had already knew how to weld, and and part because of my dad. Um, <clears throat> and but I already knew how to weld. He had a little shop that he built cabinets, and he was a he built homes, and and in his cabinet shop, he let me just play around in part of it. Anyway, long story short, I got the got the engine in the uh, in the Model A. And uh, and got it running, and started driving this thing around the street, and it was it was it was it was a real piece of work. <laughs> the headers were made out of the headers were made out of electrical conduit tubing oh, because boy. I couldn't <laughs> afford I couldn't afford real real tubing, and so the headers were all arc welded together, not torch welded or or TIG welded. God, I didn't even know what a TIG welder was, and uh, and so it was a it was a real piece of work, and. Uh, Anyway, so that was that was the start of my my car my car thing, and uh, and that led to, to actually amazingly enough to guys wanting me to do little odds and ends for them. And then I started I actually started building headers uh, while I was still oh god I think I was still in high school and I was building headers in my parents' one car garage, and uh, and and was actually using. Uh, torches and so on by that time and anyway so then i got the, all of that got interrupted about 1965 uh or 66 rather i graduated high school in 65 66 i got drafted in august of that year and then spent uh two years in the army and and one of those was in uh, was in vietnam and and i was fortunate enough to make it through that entire thing and and somewhat unscathed and and came home uh met uh, God, I was I was no sooner home than I started going to drag races and everything again. From and I did that originally, or just I, well, I was still God before the army. And uh, anyway, and I met a guy by the name of Chuck Poole, and uh, and he drove a wheel stander, and 
And so for some reason or other, we hit it off, and, and he knew that I knew how to weld and, and so on. And so I started actually started traveling with him. And this was in would have been in 1968 into 69, and uh, actually into 69. And then in, in 1970, he said, well, you need to be driving a wheel sander. So he had an extra one, a Volkswagen, a Volkswagen pickup that he had had and brought it up brought it up and uh and i put uh i had a uh, injected big block chevy put in the thing and uh and and started started running a wheel sander and and so it it was as far away as i went it was in the fall of 70 made it all the way to uh montreal canada uh and in the, the fall of that year and then he got me a race. He stayed up in the Northeast and got me a race down in Miami, Florida. So I drug the thing all the way to Miami only to get hurricaned out. And that would have been, and that was in October, late September, early October of, uh, of 70. And, uh, and then I thought, I thought, well, no, cause I gotta, I gotta get home now. And so I towed the thing all the way home and he and I separated. We, he, he went his way. I went mine. But in the meantime, I had made a really good friend with, with Richard Schroeder, another wheel stand guy. And, uh, and Richard wanted me to build him a car. And so I was, I was, uh, I already had my house by then and, and I was, was building him a, building him a car. Well, then he wanted me to drive his AMX wheel stander. And, uh, and so in early in 71, and I got married in, February of 71 and uh and was running was running small business out of the garage by this time and that's why I put 71 as the as the start date to the business and uh and so anyway so I was still I was driving his wheel stand well it was in early sometime oh god one of the early races that year I was driving his wheel standard a racetrack in uh local racetrack Puyallup Washington and uh and the the thing upset, and I mean, and it was a it was a violent violent crash and destroyed his rig, and about three quarters destroyed me. And they they thought when they got to me that that uh, I had serious neck injuries and so on because my helmet was almost ground through and and oh, couldn't wow. really figure out why. Well, I sat in the same seat he did. He was six eight, I'm I'm five eight. And so I had to leave the harness really loose to see where I was going because in that picture wheel standard, you steered you steered it by looking out the window and gauging where the guardrail was. Okay. And uh, and so anyway, so the the thing when it upset the harness was loose and he always told me, okay, if you think the car's going to crash, just let go of everything else and snug the harness down. You'll be fine. Well, <laughs> as wrecks go. They happened in just a little bit less than a blink of an eye, and somebody got a great eight millimeter movie of this whole thing crashing. Well, we did it in a frame by frame deal, and when it was flopping over and going and like barrel rolling, um, uh, going down the track, when it was the the driver's side window would have been maybe three feet, two and a half feet off the track. My a whole upper body was hanging out the window, and my oh. head was dragging on the pavement, and that's what ground was grinding through my helmet. And oh. uh, anyway, so again, cut to the quick on this deal. Uh, when all that was said and done, my my brand new bride at the time, she had had told Richard's wife. She said, "Got him." As soon as she saw the wreck, she said, "I'm too young to be a widow." Were the first words out of her mouth. And then I just I after I spent a a day or two days in the hospital, I, I came to the conclusion there just had to be a better way to make a living. And so, <laughs> so then I went and I, I hung out a real shingle and, and that's when, uh, when everything else, everything else was put aside and I just, and I started, uh, you know, started building cars and, and so on. And, and I mean, and that, pardon me, it wasn't just cars. It was everything. It was anything you could do to make a dollar, uh, to put food on the table, and and so I was, I got, I was painting cars at the time. I was doing uh, transmission rebuilds. I was rebuilding engines. I was doing anything I could do that would would create enough money to make a house payment and and uh, move forward. And so one, there was a local guy, a local drag racer, had an A modified production car, <clears throat> Corvette. 
and he came to me and he said, could you put uh, this this rear suspension in my car? And I said, I looked and I said, oh, yeah, I could do that. And, and, uh, and so I did, and, and what it did is it took out the, the stock Corvette-type rear suspension, and you could run at that time, you could run a solid axle, and so I, that's what we put in it and uh, with a, with a four-link. And this was one of the one of the way early four links. And uh, anyway, he promptly went out and set a record in a modified production. Nice. Well, all of a sudden, that just brought more guys and more guys in, and that's what all of a sudden now it was it had gotten to be way too much for the garage at the house. And uh, and my dad had quit building houses, and so he had a little thirty by sixty building, and and I conned him into letting conned him into letting me use half of it. And so I had this this little bitty thirty by thirty shop, and that's where that's where it started. It then at that point, and could get more cars in. And then I promptly, oh God, after a year of that, I I managed to convince him that I needed the whole building. And so then anyway, and then that that's what led it to kind of where we're going today. Uh, I built oh God, I think the first rear engine dragster I ever built uh, was in nineteen. 19- uh, that would have been the year Craig was born in '75, and uh, and so then that that just that started a whole series of, of rear engine dragsters that I had built. And uh, anyway, but we wound up over the years we wound up building oh god I think 135 rear engine dragsters, uh, door slammers, and that sort of thing. Uh, ultimately it was the number was somewhere over 500 of those for wow. oh god like the modified production and the gassers and the you name it um, uh, type of a thing so anyway that's kind of how it that's kind of how it got started <laughs> so and that i mean and then basically you just you know you just evolved into just kind of just focus on chassis right i mean from that point yes, forward it, yeah exactly and even even with you know you you don't know it's a little bit like like your dad you don't know what you can't do until you do it um it's like i'd never used a tape welder before i started welding 4130 tubing um and i'd never built a dragster body and the first the first dragster i got i asked the guy that i had built it for i said well i said who's going to build the body he said well you are and i said well i've never built one before he said ah you could build it and so so I went I went I figured out what kind of aluminum I needed. I and so I I I just I wanna form in the body and, and all of a sudden I was in the dragster building body business and uh and and building the seats, building the fuel tanks, building the everything and I had never never had done one before I did the first one. Um, you know, I never I, anyway, that's how it that's how it sort of evolved. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, looking back on my dad's career, I mean, you know, it, everything obviously was automotive, but it wasn't just hot rods. I mean, you know, there's a whole history. There were sport trucks that he did. Uh, there was a period of time where I, in the late 80s, uh, early 90s, where muscle cars were really hot, and they had a specific muscle car shop right around the corner. So, well, I'll be darned. Yeah. No, so, see, I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's that's like when Dwayne was there, and I think uh, Dwayne was actually part of that deal. Yeah, there, there. Um, yeah, there. It was around the corner from the old hot rod shop where the, actually the wheel okay. shop then started. But yeah, I think. Uh, and you know what? Um, there's a good video, and I've, I've referenced it before. But on YouTube, there's a good video that uh, Carl and Andy, the two Swedes that work for my dad, they put together because they they basically photographed everything. And this is before digital cameras, obviously. But yeah, they've scanned everything, and then they have this video. It's got to be an hour long, but it's. What's cool about it is it's all the stuff that went on at the shop that didn't hit the magazines, which was probably eighty percent of it. You know, not everything. Yeah. Coming, not everything coming out of the shop was high profile. So right, right. So, <laughs> so then you know, then you started. I mean, you obviously, you know, if, if anybody's paying attention, you're you're one of the top names right now as far as just getting chassis, you know, getting a chassis done, right? Um, so when did you, I, I think so. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Uh, and then, so when did, you know, then when did you meet my dad and when was the first build that he used one of your chassis on? Oh, gosh, thanks. Uh, this is, yeah, I'll give a real brief history of leading up to that point in the late 
70s, I, I found uh, I had amassed this this huge fortune of about 7,800 bucks, and and uh, and and it was the most money I had ever seen. And and anyway, there was a piece of property where we're at actually right now came up for sale for 40, God, I think it was 42,000 bucks for an acre, and and so I I took all of that money and put down on the property. And uh, ultimately, that's where we put the first building, an 8,000-foot building. And then in 89, uh, we, we put up another 10,000-foot another building. And in that span, we had gone from, from building uh, just race cars and either, like I say, either, either dragsters or door cars. And uh, into about 1990, we started getting more into uh, street rods. Or we, pardon me, I, uh, first off, I, I looked at the NHRA. We were really, really involved with the National Hot Rod Association, and we had a semi that we had on the road that we were a major sponsor. We'd go to all the different events. and But in, in 90, we were looking at this whole thing, and it, and it was really plateauing. It was it, No matter how much money you threw at it, it just the return just wasn't that great. And I wanted the business to continue to grow, and, uh, and so – so I said, God, what can we do? What can we do? And we had talked about, I, I was asking everybody, God, should we get into like uh, circle track? Should we get into sports car? Should we do street rod? Should we? And so we said, God, let's, let's do the street rod business. Seems like the, the hot tip. And uh, so that was the direction. That was the direction we decided to go. Now, we're already at this time, because it was in the mid-'80s, I got a, a, a mandrel bender, uh, for bending rectangular tubing, and it was all it was what it was capable of doing was two by three, one twenty wall, which would, was perfect for drag racing, for rear clips, and and whatever we wanted to do for a drag race rear suspension or front. And uh, mid nineties, mid nineties, we upgraded the tooling on the thing and uh, got a little bit more horsepower, and were capable of bending two by four rectangular tubing. Well, it was sometime in that period that, that we were now we're pushing into the street rod market and we're going to all the good guy shows and we're doing that sort of thing. Our semi is still on the road. We're still involved with NHRA and we're doing now up to, oh gosh, upwards of 30 events a year that we're going to with a, with a truck and trailer and going around the country, sending sales guys to it. And, and it just, that it was a big deal. Anyway, so it was around 90s, Seven, I would guess. I'm, I'm thinking, and I give my my memory like everybody my age starts to fail. But anyway, it was around that time period that I got a call from your dad, and he said uh, he wanted a. First, he got one of our sales guys, and and so then I called him back and and <clears throat> was asking him what he would like, and that was our first. I'd never met him in person before, never anything like that. And he wanted wanted one of our frames, but he wanted it pig welded. And I said, God, I said our guys are so good with a MIG welder. I said, I said, I, you, you know, I said it, it's going to cost more if you want a pig. And he said, Nope, I want a pig welder. Okay, so we went ahead and pig welded the whole frame. And and the problem with I always had with the pig weld on a, on any time you're doing larger rectangular tubing is it looks so small and it's so dainty and so you know. And, and here you can take, and, and our guys are so good with a MIG welder that it almost looks like a large TIG weld. And so anyway, we did the first one, did the first one with a uh, with a TIG weld. He was taken enough with that frame that he ordered another, and we said, okay, TIG weld that one. And so it was every other one that it, that's the way it was from that point on. And we became, God, where we first met, <clears throat> we were both chosen uh to be on a oh a uh, a committee uh for uh wyotech uh they had to do every year they had to go through a a process they had to go through a process of accreditation because they were a uh because they were a proper proper school and they they had to go through this process and have outside advisors come in give advice well they had called me and said would you like to be on this on this committee and i said absolutely well your dad was another one that was on it so that's when we first we first met and we we hit it off just wonderfully well i just i absolutely loved him and, and we just 
I we had, we would always land at Denver, and then you take a small plane from Denver to uh, to Laramie, Laramie yeah. or you can you can drive. And yeah, because the school, I'm sorry, the school was uh, was in was in Laramie and uh, Wyoming, and so so anyway, we had, we had made actually that drive several times, also just he and I, and so we we got to know each other really really well, and uh, and it's like I always said, I think that the 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 most injustice ever done to your dad was by the Discovery Channel, and I because I yeah. <laughs> I had told him time and time and time again I said I said God Boyd I said they just they just are making you just look like this just this ass this hardcore oh he said but God the ratings are great the ratings are great <laughs> yeah it was a du- the show that, is a double edged sword for sure you know oh, um, gosh, they, I mean oh, it, it brought my ever. dad's name uh, into so many more households but yeah they edit him you know they take you know four weeks and edit it down into forty four minutes yeah. you know. Exactly. And they made, yeah. Exactly. So. Oh, and it just made him look like a like a hard ass, you know. And I <laughs> and I always I and and so many people said, oh God, boy, there's just such a this, such a that. And I said, I said, I said it's wrong. I said you don't know him. You don't, you know, you just don't know him. Yeah, yeah. that seems to be a reoccurring. But theme anyway, we had we had, we had really great times at the Wyotech deals, and and it was from God. It was actually from then on. I think unless it was a 32, oh, a 32 or something else, pretty much every frame that went through the shop came out of this shop. Um, And so that first, go back to that first chassis, was that for Led Zephyr? This is terrible. We think that it may be, I would, I would have to go back and we were, we were looking through some records the other day because I thought, I thought maybe I could find it. And I found a, a bunch of different drawings for, uh, God, like C1 Corvettes and a bunch of things that we had done. And, uh, and, but it, <clears throat> it would have to go back. Oh gosh. Like I say, it would have to go back into about 90s, I believe sometime in 97. And I, I can't remember if the Zephyr came. Yeah, I can't, I just, and that's, that I can't remember. You know, Zephyr. Zephyr would have been started. Yeah, Zephyr would have been started around ninety seven, ninety eight. Okay, right. Because that, that, that was that, actually like the first. Probably, you know, when my dad was rebuilding the business, that would have been like the first big build that he okay. did. Um, but I mean, I mean, anything Tri Five. I mean, everything you did the chassis for. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I remember because I came back to work for my dad in two thousand, and I just. Your your name was always there whenever it came to a, a car build. So yeah, I, that's yeah. Because we, we did we did just a ton of them, and then and then it was in that same time period. It was around two thousand uh, that he called one day and he said, "Hey, he said I've got a good good friend in Tennessee," <clears throat> and he said, "Great car builder, uh, guy's name is Bobby Alloway." He said, "I want please, I want you to give him a call. He needs your help." And, uh, and so I did, I did, and, and we, and he was building a, oh, a 55 Ford, uh, for, uh, George Lange in, in Missouri. And, and anyway, and so we did the, we did the complete frame for him on that one. And, and then Bobby's been another one that's just been a, just a phenomenal, phenomenal, great customer over the years and friend. Definitely. Uh, it, it, you know, it's like it's like almost any of these deals, and and you've been around this thing long enough to know it too. That that after you do business with any one of these uh, guys for over so many years, you just you automatically become unless there's a real falling out somewhere along the line, they all become great friends, and uh, and that's been one of the really blessings of this entire business. Yeah, because you know what, it, it's it's. All these people you're talking about, yourself, my dad, Bobby, all the way, it, 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 this all started as hobbies, and then you kind of figured out, wait, well, yeah, I can make money doing this. Yeah. And so you you got a, yeah, pa- you got a passion exactly. and a respect for the industry initially, and then it turns into a business. And then, yeah, I mean, it gets to a point where, you know, I remember my dad had uh, Larry Sergeff working at the shop, and he was making the chassis back in the you know, 80s and 90s, right? But then it gets to a point right, where, you, right. where he meets someone like you, and he goes, well, wait a second, this guy's making – really nice stuff he's doing how I, how I want it and then just there's a relationship you know yeah 
and it and it's been really it's been really unbelievably uh, like I say uh, an unbelievable trip when you when you look at it over all the over all the years. It's like your dad always had they had had a falling out, got you know forever and forever ago. Well, but one of the uh, gosh, one of the Wyotech deals. Chip was on the advisory deal. Uh, Brian Fuller got that's where I met Brian Fuller was he was he was invited. Well, all he was building at that time was bicycles, and so there was there was Chip, Brian Fuller, your dad, myself, um, and a couple other guys, and uh, and it was it was really funny because. Here was was Chip over there drawing pictures of your dad. Your dad sitting in a roadster or something else, almost like an old uh, oh god, what the hell was his name that made the the, the cartoons? Um, oh god, the Rat Fink type cartoons. Okay. Anyway, he he was he was sitting there doing these drawings of your dad of your your dad, and it just it kind of just cracked me up. But everybody got everybody got along wonderfully well, and they actually I think. They they healed a, a couple of bridges at that point, yeah. Um, because you know they uh, they they just seemed to get along pretty good at that at that moment. But I know that that they had had a, a some sort of a falling out somewhere. Yeah, that um, yeah, and that happened like in the late '90s, I think, when Boy, when Boyd's okay. and, and all that was kind of falling apart, you know. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, but. <clears throat> But yeah, and I think they they ended up talking. I think later on, uh, I think they met at SEMA a few years later before my dad passed away. I think they were cordial, right, cordial right. at that point, you know. Yeah, and I I think I think you're absolutely right that it, it became became more of a uh, no. They were never best of buds, but but it became became more of a definitely a cordial relationship. Well, the the, the thing that you know? a lot of people don't get, and and you know the TV show aside is. You know, th- this is my dad's. I mean, my dad would. You know, you talked about art when we were planning this. You talked about getting up early in the morning. I mean, th- th- my dad would be leaving the house, and you know, he'd just wake up going, "Oh, I got to be." It could be three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, you yeah. know, and be down at the <laughs> shop. And and it was just, it was more than, uh, it was more than just a money maker for him. It was more than just a job. It was he took a lot of things, maybe sometimes too personal, you know, when it came down to yeah. to business, you know, As, you know, um, but. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I've kind of learned from that because there's times where you want to you take all this really seriously and you want to get really wound up about things and you just go, wait a second, hold on, man. This is this this is yeah. this part of it's just the business part, you know? It, exactly. See, and I think that's what I brought out of <clears throat> out of the the, the Vietnam experience because I was where I was in Vietnam as I was the uh, uh, my my MOS or my job title was light weapons infantry and so that's what i where i spent my year was in the field uh was in the field over there and uh and anyway and and so i came out of the i came out of the thing thinking that that you got several choices and one you can you can sit in a street a street corner and and worry and whine and and bitch about that life has not done you any good to you or anything else or you can take and and make something out of it, and I I just chose that path, and uh, and and plus I've I've been an eternal optimist my entire life, so I rarely rarely, oh uh, yeah, virtually never is a glass you know half empty. Um, it's it's just it's just it's the exact opposite, and that's the way I've lived my life. So, no, that's awesome, and, and been then, blessed for it. And also, too, you you were pretty young when you learned that lesson, right? I mean, you were going into Vietnam when yeah. you were eighteen, nineteen years old, right? Yeah, I got I got out of the service. I got out of the service on my twenty first birthday. Oh wow! Oh, wow. And so yeah. so I was I was on an airplane coming home the day that I turned twenty one. And uh, and in that in that era, because it was so bad back then, that uh, that you have your civilian clothes really close. So as soon as I got on the plane, I was in in you know uniform when I got on the plane, but I was in civilian clothes when I got off, just because of the the, <laughs> the turmoil you would go through at an airport dealing with people that saw you in uniform. Yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 a great story. I mean, because. <laughs> You know, and that's the thing you talk about eternal optimist. I think my dad was too, and I, I mean, I. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, and and because you know what, one thing I've learned is you know you're never going to complain your way into a better situation, right? And, <laughs> no. and, and you never are. And, you know, I I, I, I no. know pe- I know people, uh, and I've been around people that that 
they think you can do that, yeah. and and it just it never yeah. works out. So I, I, I remember me. Good, I remember meetings. That's a good line. What's that? I said that's a good line. Yeah, you never are, and and you know I I remember just meetings where you know, uh, where we you know um, when I got especially with the wheel shop when I got involved where people would just be, you know, oh we're never going to be able to do this or this and that, and my dad would just he would just just yell at people just go you got to be positive you can do we can do this you know. And, yeah. you know, and, and I mean, there was times where maybe he was maybe a little too optimistic on things, but, <laughs> but you know, I mean, uh, but, but the point is, but you don't push the envelope if you're not, the point you know? is if, if, if you're going to say you can't do it, guess what? You can't, you, 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 can't. you, you can't do it. Yeah. You've already shot yeah, yourself yeah. in the foot. So yeah. you, you're, yeah. you're, you're handicapping yourself before you even attempt it. Yeah. yeah. So well, a real quick, a real quick story on how I, how I got some of this that was instilled in me. When I said my dad was a contractor, he built, he originally, when I was a little kid, he built houses the hard way. He actually had his own, hand-built his own sawmills, and he would go in and clear the timber off of off of areas and and uh, take take the trees, take the, the actual raw, raw fir trees, run them through his mill, run them through his mill, and there was this was before there were kiln dried uh, lumber at the time, so he would just air drive it. And anyway, he would go back and build the houses. But in the the first neighborhood that I grew up in, uh, where and he had built it all, uh, he put the roads in. And when he would when he would build a house, the the first houses he built were really the hard way. He did all of the dirt work. Uh, he did the rough, the foundation and stuff. He would do the rough in. He would do the electrical. He would do the plumbing. He would do the sheetrock. He would do the roofing. He would finish paint. He he built the house, and uh, and he had instilled in us uh, kids at the time. He said, "You can do." And this was from the time I was a little kid. You can do or be anything you want, and he would never let us think anything else. Um, and uh, and so I had that just and it and I, with me it stuck. Um, you know that you can you can do anything you want. And uh, and it's the absolute truth. You can. Yeah. No, it's for sure. Um, you just got to put your mind to it and, and have a positive attitude about it and handle it, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, that, and that's exactly. something that I trip out on now is, you know, especially with, like, YouTube, right? So everyone always goofs like, oh, you're, you're a YouTube certified or YouTube <laughs> expert. But, I mean, if you want <laughs> – there, there's – you can – there's a video to build anything, anything. on YouTube. Yeah, YouTube University. Absolutely. I mean, I've been I've been going down the rabbit hole of watching these people build these little tiny homes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and it's crazy. And and it, like one video, the guy goes, "Listen, if you yeah. can if you can swing a hammer and hit a nail, you can build a little house." Yeah. Right. Um, and I know there's a lot more to it. I mean, yeah, what, uh, to what level of house? I I'd have more of a I built maybe a mediocre dog house. I think. If, <laughs> you know. But you'd find yourself in there too. So, so yeah, right. Yeah, most times. Um, so what? It, as far as um, you know, as far as the chassis building thing, you kind of just uh, is is as far as your business is that pretty much it. I mean, are you guys doing any accessories? Anything? Anything else? Or is it just strictly? We do well. You know, now I'll I'll bring Craig into the picture. <clears throat> so uh, in about. 2002, Craig, had, he was all done with school, and, uh, and you know, and, and obviously this is where he came back to, and and, uh, and so he had said at the time, we need to do a frame for, you know, a bolt-on frame, you know, for a car, and I, and I was just, I just, I was just fighting that. I mean, I said, we built frames, but, but let the, let the builders, the, the, your dads and the, and the other guys, let them put the body mounts on and so on. And, and he said, nope, we need a bolt on chassis. It'll, it'll appeal to an entire new audience and so on. And I, I said, okay, so what do you want to do? Well, I just happen to have this absolutely cherry 55 Chev that I found from a guy in, uh, in Silver City, New Mexico with 47,000 original miles on it. Anyway, so I said, well, what do you, what kind of a car do you want to do it for? He said, a Tri-5 Chevy. And I said, okay. Well, I said, what are we going to use for a, a, a model car? He said, well, yours? And so anyway, so off it went. And, and the long story short, we've done, oh, we're, we're closing in on 1,700, 55 to 57 frames that we have done. Wow. And uh, just of that, just of that, 
that three-year model. Um, and then it get branched from that to the C1 Corvettes, to the C2 Corvettes, to the, the oh, I mean, and now there's just this myriad of, of different frames that we build that are true bolt-on frames. And and that seems to be seems to be the way it's going now. We're just just now finishing up everything for the uh, the C10 Chevy pickup that the late God, I believe what is it the late 60s early 70s is the C10. Yes. And uh, and anyway and and so Craig and our our engineers have been working on that and it's just and it's finally just coming down. It'll be released probably sometime this spring as a, as a true bolt-on finished deal in, in several different configurations. And anytime we do these frames now, God, the guys go through because we have so much um, uh, computer technology at our disposal now. We do 3D laser scanning of the, of the stock frames, the stock bodies, <clears throat> and then we can do the best fit of our suspension up underneath that stock, that stock body, and we can do it in several different ride heights. We do it with either a, a solid axle or an independent rear suspension. We do it with uh, it just got the list goes on and on and on as to how we can do them and and uh, and so on. So that and and that is one of the things that we've become really really known for is the is the fit and finish of our frames. And uh, you know, it was a week ago week ago or two weeks ago in in just in a two or a three day period we had different wire transfers coming in from from people and some of them from small shops but but some from just from individuals but one from south africa one from france one from new zealand um and just for all an assorted sundry different frames um you know we just had one from uh, a thing come in yesterday from a guy in, in Berlin uh, that wants a frame for a 37 cord. Uh, so it, 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 it's really interesting to where we get this from. And, and all of that is, is because of the Internet. I mean, the, the 99%, yep, when there were still magazines that you could advertise it, we did all of that. But the Internet is, is just a whole different thing. So, you, I mean, you not just have your own chassis specs, but you, you, you will build to spec still? Oh, absolutely. Nice. We do. That's the busiest, the busiest tools that we've got right now. We have two, what we call universal tables, and and they will build, they will build anything. So somebody, somebody comes up and they've got a, oh, a fifty-two Packard uh, that they want to frame for. If we haven't done it yet, we have, we have a series of. of spec sheets and, and questions that we ask the customer. And then we'll sit down with our, we've got uh, three, three engineers here now and, and uh, full-time guys. And, and they just, they will start putting together a, a computer drawn picture of what that frame would look like. And then we go back and forth with either, either builder, the end user, whoever, and let them okay it and, and continue to okay it. And because we found years ago that it's, it's a whole lot easier to do that than, than bend up a piece of steel and say, oh, that's wrong. Um, and so it, it's just it's a method that has worked so really, really unbelievably well for us that uh, that it just it just works. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, of course, I'm I'm I become part of the process when I'm building wheels for these things. So I've seen a lot of your spec sheets and. You know, you do a good job, but you make it easy for guys like me because people come to me and go, hey, I'm getting this Art Morrison chassis. Uh, what size wheels can I fit? And I go, well, what's the vehicle? And I go, but usually you guys have your recommended uh, you have your recommended uh, widths and offsets and everything that you tell a customer on a lot of those chassis. So it makes, right. it, makes it easy. Right. It makes it easy on my end. You know, yeah, I mean, it's like yeah. you said, uh, as far as, uh, you know, you've been doing it long enough, there's just certain questions you ask, and I mean – you know, I get I get people that are that are local that go, well, I want to come in and I want to test fit this, make sure it's right. And I go, well, you don't have to come all the way down here. If you want to, you can. Right. Um, but I, I, I do this. Ninety nine percent of what I sell is I never see the, the customer. I never see the vehicle. And I just you ask for certain specs and you build to that, you know. Oh, exactly. And that's what that's what the, this computer technology has allowed us to do is that. 
Uh, now you can, like we can, we can say uh, you need a uh, you need a, an eight and a half inch rim. You need a, a four inch backspace. You need, and and just and this is the maximum you can do with a backspace. If you if you alter that and go with a shallower backspace, uh, you're going to be hitting a fender. If you you know and and it and it's just. It, it, and it all comes from so many years of doing it, but then we we have dimensioned so many of these bodies or done the, the 3D laser scanner that they know where every bump is. And, uh, and the, the, the 3D laser scanner, these things are so accurate anymore that it will show up undercoating. It will show up. It'll show up cracks in the paint. Wow. Um, if you get it to that resolution, they're just they're just amazing things that uh, and of what they're capable of doing. Yeah, you know, I've seen some of that stuff uh, used in the wheel industry. They'll have like a scanner that goes. You take the wheel off. It goes. It sets down uh, like kind of on the ground. It just kind of scans the whole wheel well. You know, and right. it, it'll scan right. the wheel well. Right. It'll give you the brake profile. It'll give you everything. Um, yeah, we're not at that level here at Hot Rods by Boyd as far as, yeah. as far as that technology. But, you know, I mean, it's it, with the wheels, I don't know. It's second nature for me as far as the measurements and all that stuff. It's pretty basic math. Exactly. You know? There's usually two or three measurements you got to give me, and I'll, I'll build you whatever you need. So what um, – as far as – as far as the builds, because I think did, – did you build – you built – I mean, pretty much any Tri-5 that my dad built from – you know, 99, 98, 99 on up till his passing, it was, had your chassis on it. Um, so. Right. Right. And then and, you know, also yeah, like the yeah. other cars, like the, uh, like the, what the hay and, and, the, and then yep. the French connection. Right. Yes. Yep. So, yep. so do you keep track? Um, I mean, you know, I mean, you've, you saw a ton of chassis, but do you keep track of like some of the ones that have won some of the bigger awards? That run we, it, uh, we do, uh, we do. We've got. I mean, it's it, Craig is just because of that. The catalog that's coming here for twenty one is going to be special because of the fiftieth thing, and and so he put together he put together a, uh, this one page of of like of first and uh, and there was the the first the first uh, Riddler winner that we had was a, of all things was a, a Rambler that was. Uh, uh, Tim Divers up in, in a town not that far from us here, about maybe 60 miles from here anyway. Uh, he, he did it with a 60 Rambler with a Ferrari motor and stuff in it and, and wound up winning the Riddler. And, uh, and, and anyway, and then there was the, the, first, the first car that, uh, gosh, for a name builder that, that ever did anything with us was uh, Troy Trepanier. And Troy bought stuff from us in the late 90s late 90s or just when he was still a kid god um and for a 59 or 60 chev uh impala did he did that uh, kind of a monochrome green thing oh yeah, yeah. and uh yeah. but that had that had our our rear suspension stuff on it that he that he wound up getting through a mail order thing and uh and because we were in a they were in a oh god it was i think your dad was already gone, but there was there was Troy, uh, Chip, Bobby Alloway, and about four uh, Alan Johnson, four or five other builders, and so I I bought one of the one of their books that was covering all of these guys and what they had done, you know. And so I had a book, and I was going through the autograph line, and, and Troy looks up and he said. He said, hey, he said, everybody on this line, he said, I'm the first one that ever bought anything from him. <laughs> so <laughs> that, was, that was funny. It was always at a steamer show several years back. Okay. <laughs> on one of the panels there? Yeah. On yeah. One, of the, one of the panels that they had a, a, a book signing deal. And uh, anyway, so that was, that was fun. <laughs> so uh, uh, this year, I mean, has been challenging for a lot of people, but how did, how did you guys do this year? It's been a really interesting year. When when it first broke out and uh, got and they started making a huge big deal of it in late February, early early March, and we had a meeting with the guys and I got everybody together and I said, look, I said if anybody is so terrified of this that that you've got to go home, I said, I said it's not a problem. I said you'll have a job when you come back, but I said you just you need to know that I can't afford to pay you if you're gone. And uh, and so only God, we only had one guy that amazingly enough, and this is interesting. He left. He was a welder, TIG guy, 
and uh, and did a phenomenal job. Well, he had the right equipment at home, so he to this day he still comes back. It's a load of control arms, enough to do 40 hours worth of work, loads it in the trunk of his car, takes it home, um, and he took got our tooling and everything, took home. Next week, he brings it back, picks up a new load, and off he goes again. And uh, and he's the only one that's left. We've got uh, one of our engineers works two days here. He's here today. He'll be here Thursday. and But the rest of the week, he works from home, And uh, but everybody else is here. So in so we went March. All of a sudden, sales started falling off in March. Well, in April, it was just it was a, a cliff. And I mean it. And I thought, God. So we applied for that that PPP, PPP money that yep, they had, yep. the, the paycheck protection thing. And and for us, it was it was a it was perfect. It did just exactly what it was supposed to do. Uh, we were able to make use it for payroll, use it for payroll, use it for rent, use it for utilities. And uh, and we did that, and, and in the time frame that they allotted, and, and and it was perfect. Well, then when we got to May, all of a sudden it started picking up, and then June got busier. July, uh, let's see, all summer we were busy, and then September, September for some reason just went nuts. It was um, it was up by several hundred percent over a year ago. Oh wow! And then. Then we got to just uh, November, just this past month, and it was the sixth busiest month in the history of the company. Wow! And so, so I, I'm sitting here thinking, and, and most of it, most of it, because our customers—they're uh, not kids; they're not—they're—they're uh, they're older, typically older guys anyway, and or cows, and uh, but they have obviously disposable income. And, uh, and when the stock market is doing good, and the stock market never, ever really failed this year, except in that first, uh, God, what was it, in March? Yeah, March and yeah, April, when the stock market fell over. Um, but then it, once it recovered, once it recovered, it uh, that, and again, our business follows that more than it does about anything. Uh, if the stock market's good, business tends to be good. And uh, and we we've seen that God for years and years and years that it it tends to follow that that sort of a line. Yeah, and it this year it was weird. It was weird, but I think uh, yeah, because in March I think we all had the questions of okay, what's going to happen here? How do you you know how do you shut down econ- right. economies? Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, we had a we had a decent year, and I got to tell you, um, and I think things shifted too because we're pretty seasonal with the wheels normally. Uh, November, December, we're, we're dead. Uh, like there's not much going on, but we've had our busiest December that I can ever remember. It's well, far out. Yeah. And, 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 you know, um, and it's, it's been pretty, it's been pretty good. And I think a lot of people in our industry are doing okay. Um, you know, I mean, like, I think you're not going to stop, stop your hobby. Right. And you're not going to stop this no, stuff. No, so, no, no, no. You know, I no. think because Good Guys only had th- what three shows this year, and they they're trying to do uh, like they're trying to do like twenty two next year or something like that. Well, um, they're they're hoping, right? Well, <laughs> well, well, yeah, that's uh, it's on the schedule, right? It's on the schedule. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, probably not a lot of West Coast stuff. I don't think. You know, I don't um, think so either. I I see that that Barrett Jackson just moved their January the January date to March. I think I just saw yesterday. Uh, and again uh, for the Scottsdale uh, auction, and but like good guys, I I just I feel really bad for what those guys had to go through this oh, year because they mean, just oh they just took an unbelievable beating. You know I went because I only went to two shows this year. I went to the Lone Star Throwdown um, in Texas. That was in February. And if you haven't right. been to that show, if you're you're going to have your C10 chassis, that's something you probably need to hit up. That's a really great. Is that right? That's a really okay. great show. That's a really great show. Um, it's there in Conroe, Texas, which is uh, what just outside of Houston, and it's okay. it's really it's really a good show. Um, so I hit that up, and then you know the next month is when everything got locked down, and then I didn't go to a show until I went to the the Scottsdale a Good Guy show last month. And how was that? Yeah, it was kind of dead. <laughs> 
Yeah, it it, it was kind of okay. dead. I mean, <laughs> what what was what was crazy about it was the the swap meet section was probably twice as big as it was the year before. I'll be darned. Yeah, but but the, you darned. know the vendors were there, um, but the cars just it just uh, you know I got I didn't get there until about noon on Saturday, and it just okay. it, it seemed like you know what it seemed like a Sunday mm-hmm. afternoon on on a Saturday. I'll be darned. Yeah, it just uh, we, yeah, it was kind of dead. See you. We pulled we pulled the plug on that one also because we looked and said, God, do we need do we need to spend the money if it's only going to be <clears throat> at the best a mediocre type show? And so we we made the decision and just said said no, we won't go. And I I'm trying to think if if we we didn't do a show this year, yeah, we because right right now we 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 only do five a year anyway. Uh, SEMA. We do well. It will start out in the in the, the winter. Craig will normally go to the Grand National just to just to walk it and, and so on. Uh, then we'll do. Uh, oh gosh, um, <clears throat> we do Columbus. Uh, trying to think, if we do one in the spring. We do. You do. You do. Uh, street oh, ride nationals? The, yeah, Pleasanton. We do. We do the spring Pleasanton, the March Pleasanton show. We and do. that's usually a good show. And. Uh, yeah, and it and it it, it is. It's you know, we've seen it. If the weather's bad, the show is bad. If the weather's good, it's just an absolute killer show. Yeah, they say that and, if the weather uh, cooperates, that's if the weather cooperates, that's usually their biggest Saturday uh, attendance yeah. of of any show all year. Yeah, and we and we've been there on those times, and uh, and it and it's a it's a, a small show. I mean, as far as days and so on go, but. Get uh, <clears throat> God, it's a, it's a dandy, and then we do the the Columbus, the Columbus in July. We do the uh, Craig goes to the NSRA Nationals. We do we've got a local good guy show here, um, and then I go to uh, the Pleasant and Good Guys in August, and then Craig does the Scottsdale Good Guys, and and then we do SEMA. And this year SEMA was interesting, obviously because there was none. And I uh, and I was asked to Armo uh, did a uh, oh like a Zoom type of a of a of a meeting. There was myself, uh, Steve Cook, and Dan oh, can't think of his last name from Virginia, and we were on a panel, and uh, and and <clears throat> were being thrown questions. And uh, and but it was a but it was a, a Zoom sort of a thing, uh, and for you know for God I guess a virtual SEMA. That's good. Yeah, and you know that's an interesting thing too because um, our industry everybody seems to be doing okay in our industry, and then SEMA didn't happen. So a lot right. of, a lot of companies <laughs> with with a little bit more money in their pockets, right? Uh, because SEMA is not a cheap date to go to. So, oh, good lord, no! And so no. it kind of makes you think, like, okay, should they do SEMA every other year? I mean, is it? Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I know SEMA doesn't want to hear that, but uh, no. But this, when, when we all walk out of this thing, the world is going to be a different place. Um, it is. It, we were talking about this yesterday. That the number of people that won't be traveling, the the number of of companies that won't be doing conventions because they're looking and saying. Wait, we can do this on laptops, on iPads, on this, on that. Uh, you know, it's like in our in our state, they've shut. It was like, God, California is crazy because they've oh. shut everything down again. Yes, <clears throat> but we've we've uh, gyms, everything is closed up here again. And so, my wife and I go to the we go to the gym three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Well, they shut it down, and so lo and behold. One of the, the kids that, you know, the young guy that works at this place, um, he he still goes to the gym and he'll do a Zoom thing of the gym, only we do it at home. And we, we see all the people that we normally see at the gym, only it's on a Zoom screen. Okay. And, uh, and so anyway, and so only we're doing it in our kitchen instead, which it, it, it sucks on one hand because you don't have all the equipment that you'd have at the gym. But yet we're still able to get some sort of an exercise, oh, that's and cool. uh, and so yeah, which was yeah, I thought it was it was pretty neat. It was pretty neat. Yeah, it's it's just like you said about your employee that uh, works from home now. You know, I mean, right? 
it's right. it's something that you probably like a year ago you would have been like, what are you crazy? No, you're gonna come into work and you're gonna weld at work. But <laughs> exactly, if, if he's getting the job done, right? If he's you know, yeah. um, yeah, because I was just we were when on the way speaking of Scottsdale, uh, the good guy show. On the way in, we drove by. It looked like a nationwide insurance. Is it insurance, right? Yeah. So they were building yep. this big. Uh, it wasn't even completed yet. It, it was this big office building there off of the one. Is it the one hundred and one, whatever, in Scottsdale? And I'm like, what are they going to do with that thing? You know, I mean, uh, yeah. people, I mean, right? Because I mean, I'm sure all those people are they're at home, yeah. and they're they're exactly. they going to go into exactly. an office anymore. So yeah, it, it's it's kind of a weird deal. I I hope that you know, um, I hope. I hope some of these states lift these restrictions so we can have a decent uh, show circuit this year. Because you know it's weird because in in in, uh, in our normal lives here we see we're seeing small mom and pops uh, get shut down and can't open, but Home Depot and Costco and the big conglomerates oh, they can open. But uh, I've, I've noticed of of what I've heard because even though Good Guys only had three shows, there were several smaller. Uh, they're under the radar for some people, but you look Type at uh, look at Dino's. Uh, I don't know, if, and that's another truck show you need to go to next year too, if you haven't been. Yeah, Craig has said that. Craig has said Great that. show. So Dino's get one. Dino's yeah. get down went off. Uh, you know they didn't have any issues there. There was another show out of I think in Auburn, what was supposed to be in Auburn, California, and one of my distributors, okay. he went and he went. This is in 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 the middle of summer, and one of the cities was supposed to have it. And this is California, keep in mind, right? Right. Lockdown yeah. Central. Yeah. And one of the cities says, nope, city council said, no, we're not going to have a venue. The next city over said, hey, we want to have a show. We're going to say it's essential because it's cars. Good for them. And he Good said that he was, it was a one-day show, and he said that was probably the one of the biggest one-day shows he's been to uh, just uh, sales-wise. I'll be done. And I, I can't think of the name. I'll, I'll, I'll figure out the name. Yeah. I'll post it. But see, and that's with, with me and, and if, if – over all the years that I've, I've been in business that uh, it is, I am such an advocate for small business because it, it's, I believe is truly, and I don't care what anybody says, it, it, small business is one of the main drivers of this country and, and of this Absolutely. Our economy. And, uh, and, and, and included in that are the restaurants and the hair salons and oh, everybody yeah. else that is, is being shut down. And, and it, it seems so unfair. We were in Walmart here a week ago, and uh, and the place was absolutely packed. And I said, now, what's the difference between that and going into a restaurant? Yeah. Why? I'm, uh, something, something, I'm missing something somewhere. No. And, and, um, and you know what? Um, there's – so around here, we're, we're, okay, we're involved now. We're in the second week of another three-week shutdown. Yeah, and right, right. before, and it, it, it's supposed to overlap with Christmas. Yeah, but um, I, I took a walk around the block uh, on Monday, uh, last Monday, and there's a little Mexican restaurant that we go to that's at the end of our alley, and I noticed people out there, and I saw the owner, and I said, "Hey, you serving?" He goes, "I have to." He goes, "I I know I, I run the risk of them shutting me down or giving me a ticket, but uh, he's all, if I don't, I'm gonna close uh, yeah." Down. And I said, "You know what? Hey." I'm here. I, you know, I'm gonna. If you're gonna put yourself out there, I'm gonna su- help support you too. So, uh, we've been there two or three Perfect. times in the last week yeah. to have food. And, Perfect. And, and and you know what? Um, I was at another place at the uh, at the Irvine Spectrum just last weekend, and they were serving. And it's like, you know, what my opinion is, if if you're afraid and and you you know, or you're vulnerable, and all, just stay at home. Don't don't tell everybody else what they got to do. You know. Exactly. You know, stay you know, stay I, at home. I no. I, exactly. If you feel if it, we're we're all adults, we should all be able to make adult decisions. Yeah. And uh, and and I and that's the part of this whole this whole thing that just drives me nuts. I just it, it uh, just turns me inside out because I I hate to see. I just hate to see the loss of small business because yeah. so many of them won't be able to come back. Oh, no. And it's not like it's opening the door for a million new people because it, it takes a certain individual to want to want to let everything hang out and take everything out of their pockets and put on the table and say, this is all I've got. Yeah. And, uh, and anyway, and, and when people lose that, I just, I, I just, I, it just, I hurt for them. Yeah. Cause uh, some of these people, know. once their door closes, they can't open back up. That's it. That's the end no. of their dream. And they got to yeah, find something exactly. else. And yeah. That, that, exactly. that is, uh, 
a tough thing to swallow because one of our favorite restaurants closed down, uh, Meads, right yeah, here. Yeah, uh, one of our yeah favorite little breakfast spot. Uh, it just when the when the lockdowns happened, he just threw in the towel and said, "I'm not gonna be able." Yeah, to he threw it in early. Yeah, he threw it in oh. early. Yeah, he was just like, "I'm not gonna be able to make it out." And and we watched uh, several. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because it's it's mostly the restaurants. Yeah, and, and it's starting yeah. to come out that there's yeah. no empirical data that's backing up the restaurant no. closures. So I mean, oh yeah, no, I I agree with that. I I you know, give me give me some. They every one of the the three West Coast governors, especially, uh, you know, oh, it's all about science and data. Okay, give us true, not yours, but give us true science and data, yeah. and say how come you could keep the Home Depots and these guys open, but yet yeah. shut everybody else down. Yeah, and and you know uh, what too, they're don't understand. Yeah, and and. and what they're doing to wash your hands uh you know don't don't talk to people wear a mask but they're not telling you hey why don't you go exercise why don't you eat healthy yeah why don't you build that immune system up yeah. you know the ribs uh, out. That, that, oh. that's that's the that's, that's the yeah the, yeah yeah that's yeah. the first that's the first line of defense right yeah. i mean so i don't know the I, one I, more the one more great thing that they did in our state was our, our governor our governor when it, the first time he shut gyms down and then and then open them back up again he said okay but anybody over 65 cannot go to the gym uh, it's illegal to go to the gym if you're over 65 <laughs> well god okay my bride is 70 i'm 73 and so that so we i the guy from that owns the gym called me and he said did you hear this and i said yeah i did and i said i said look shane i said you gotta do what you gotta do he said well, no, he said, you know what, he said, we were going through our books. He said, we just found out that actually Jeanette's 60 and you just turned 62. So, <laughs> so he, changed, he changed our birthdays. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and, and you know what, because what's your governor's name, Inslee? Inslee? No. Yes, yes, Inslee. yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's and you know what, I, I hope that there's enough pushback where, you know, going into 2021, people have had enough, and just we're gonna yeah. end up having oh, a, a so good year. And, and I'm glad, yeah. and I'm, and I'm, I've never been more thankful to live in a republic than right now because there's, you know, you go to like, you talk to people in Tennessee, they're like, or Florida, they're like, yeah, no, we're okay, you know, we're all right, no, everything's okay. Oh, uh, okay. I know, yeah, I know. It, so, uh, you, you know, you can escape this, uh, you know, and I hope, <clears throat> I hope that. Uh, like I said, I I hope I, I'm hitting up a, lo- a lot more shows um, <laughs> yeah. this next year, no. and and we'll. Uh, I think the I think the world is looking forward to 21. <laughs> uh, I yeah right. I mean I know a lot of people are getting sick, but you know what? People just gotta just stay healthy. You know, focus yeah, focus exactly. on and you know what? mind your own business and focus on yourself. <laughs> you know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, 2021 go. needs to be mind your own business. <laughs> Take care of your own business. So. <laughs> Well, Art, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. I really okay. I really appreciate you you coming on and 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 talking to us. And you know what? You, you know it's it's a great story you have. I mean, congratulations again on fifty years. That's that's huge. You man. know, another. Awesome. I mean, um, I I always appreciate the the stories of people building uh, great businesses from the garage, and, you know, and just yeah, and, and just well, and, uh, and thank you. I I, I it, it's it's always fun. It's always fun telling it, and uh, and and I and I, like I say, there's there's so many times I I look now and I'm just in in awe that, that it's it's lasted this long. I mean, it's it's and I, and, and real quick too, and, and in saying that, we've had a, a batch of people retire this year, and and one of them was a gal that retired in August in January. This January coming up would have been her 40th year, so she retired at. 39 wow. and, and years and, and over six months. Uh, another guy just actually this a week ago, Thursday, uh, just a week ago, this, just this past Thursday, he was here and, and that was probably his last time. And he actually retired 13 years ago. He just didn't quit. Um, so he's <laughs> stuck, stuck for another years. Anyway, he's 78 now. He's finally, finally done. And we got another one of our guys in sales uh, that actually he does more purchasing now than sales. And Dave is December 31st is his last day. And uh, he's been here 35 years. Wow. So it, it's just, it's just this amazing, amazing group of folks. And we've got, God, we've got, there's still probably 
God, I guess there's still probably 14 people here that have got 20 years or more here. How many people Um, in total do you employ? 40, God, I think it's 43 right now. 43 or 44, something like that. And, I mean, geez, that that many people with 20-plus years, that's huge. People end up being like family, you know? Oh, they do. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. They do. They do. Like the one gal that left in August, uh, Nancy, she just – she just said one day she told people on her way out, she said, I'm leaving. And she didn't even say bye to me because she, she just knew that the tears had been raining. Yeah. So, so she, she just left me this wonderful, wonderful note. And, uh, and anyway, and it was, and I, I mean, I've talked to her and she's been in since, uh, but, but it was, it was just, I, it's, it's, that part of it's been really cool. Uh, you know, I, as some time back, I learned that if you want to keep good people, and this was, God, this goes all the way back to the, to the early 80s, if, if you want to keep good people, you've got to treat good people right. And, and so we've, we've, I was able to get that out of it anyway. And, and, uh, and so we, once we get somebody that's good, we've been able to keep them. No, that's awesome. Well, you know what you've you've built a pretty good business. You, you know you're you're you, you know you're well known for your reputation, uh, building quality stuff in our industry, and it's 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 awesome. You're one of the you're you're one of the driving forces too in our industry, and it's cool. Well, thank you. That, yeah, and, that, and I appreciate that, all you you've done you, for you. my dad and his builds over the years, and you know, and I I think we need to. Um, and maybe I'll get with Craig too. We'll brainstorm and we'll I'll get together a picture, a list of pictures of all the vehicles yeah. that uh, your chassis are sitting under that my dad built. Kind of put that. Little, that would be, God, I would love that. That would be, that would be. A little collage together. Cool. So just so, yeah. you know, that yeah, kind of, when you, cool. when you sit down and you do that and you realize <laughs> you, you're thinking in your head, maybe there was five and then you, you no, there was like 25, yeah. you know, <laughs> right? So it's, well, it's, it's, the numbers are goofy. <laughs> yeah, right. So, well, all right. Thanks, thanks again. Thanks for taking the time. Um, hope okay. you uh, hope you have a good, safe in uh, a uh, holiday season, and we're gonna go after it in twenty twenty one. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Merry Christmas to you guys. Yeah, same to you. And, and again, again, thank you so much. Yeah, no, thanks for taking the time. Okay. This was awesome. I had a good time. Okay, good deal. All See right. you later. Talk to you. Cool. On behalf of our guest Art Morrison and my co-host Chris Kaiser, we would like to thank you guys for listening in and tuning into our show. Until next time, this is the Hot Rod by Boyd podcast. We'll catch you on the flip side. See you.